Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hey guys, welcome back to the PTBC Podcast. Today we're going off the script a little. We actually recorded an in-person conversation with Michael Lamb, physiotherapist and co-founder of Trifecta Rehab in Vancouver. Michael actually sat down with us to share his story about starting Trifecta Rehab and how they were able to brand and market themselves without the big bucks, aka how the little guys did it. I truly, truly believe Michael is one of the most genuine and caring leaders in this industry. And just from our talk, you can truly tell how passionate he is on helping others and helping those around him grow. And I'm so glad that we were able to capture this conversation on the podcast. So my name is Mike, or Michael Lamb, hashtag Mikey Rehab. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's also like, what's your IG handle? Uh, it's really weird. I went to a networking event, and instead of like passing out cards, like, hey, what's your IG handle? So like, social media is actually a really big connector mm-hmm. these days. Uh, but name, my name is Mike. I'm one of the co-founders of Trifecta Rehab. Uh, how we came to be is an interesting story. I worked at a variety of different clinics before. Um, some of them were patient pump clinics. Um, some of them weren't. Um, but just the style of rehab, I didn't feel like I could fully offer what I could offer um, in the space. And so I just didn't really like the approach I had. And so as a new grad, you're just going to work. You know, you take a job, get your money, get mentorship. Because at that point, I just wanted mentorship I wanted to like better my skill set because as a student or a new grad you're you're fresh like you want patient mileage you want to put your hands on people like figure out like what is what does a bad muscle really feel like um so I kind of went down that route and then my business partner was like hey like do you want to like potentially open up a place um I guess like he kind of recognized my passion what I wanted to do and so we we talked about it but in the beginning it's just it's all talk I mean, like, we all, all had that conversation with the buddy. Like, hey, you want to open up a place? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's cool and everything, but, like, to actually execute and make it happen, that's another story. Uh, one of my other friends works in commercial property management, and he knew what I did and knew one day I wanted to open up a clinic. And I was like, hey, Mike, like, there's this place that came up. Do you want to take a look at it? And at that point, like, I wasn't really sure if I was ready because to open up a clinic, one, is a lot of money. Two, it's, it's more commitment than anything. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, like, I'll just take a look at it, not thinking anything would have unfolded the way it did. And so we actually looked at two spaces. One space was like a beautiful space. They were actually next to, next to each other. One space was right next to each other. Um, it was beautiful, big glass, probably about 2,500 square feet. Um, just a really, from the outside and even the inside, it was a beautiful space. Um, the other space was like a small little like triangular space. It actually used to be a karaoke bar slash like weed dispensary. Uh-huh. Um, it got shut down by RCMP because like weed wasn't legal back then. Um, but it just looked like there was a lot of work that had to be done in this space. And um, ironically, I, I didn't want that weed dispensary karaoke bar space, which we actually ended up taking possession of. And that's where our clinic is now. Um, it was nice because, or it was a blessing in disguise because the original space that we wanted there's a lot of dental clinics upstairs, and so you got a lot of like water lines and pipes and everything kind of hanging down. Um, whereas the space we have now, there's nothing above us. So we have vaulted ceilings, 14-foot high ceilings, big open space like you guys have over here, um, which is nice because it creates a very open feel. It's not like short, and you're like, oh, like where am I? It's, it's not that typical medical feel. 
And so we took possession of it. Um, the design is really different, and I'm not sure if you guys have seen the clinic or not. Um, similar to this, more or less, it's very non-medical. It kind of looks like a CrossFit gym. We have a lot of like um, wood, uh, birch, fir, like warm wood tones coming through. Yeah, the turf going through, open concept, so all the rooms surround the clinic or the, the gym space, and then the gym space is in the middle, which is like our little like, community area. Um, I grew up being in the medical system as a, as a patient a lot as a kid, and so I really didn't want to create something that wasn't positive. I'm not saying like the hospital system or medical clinics aren't positive, but if you guys go into like a medical clinic, you know, what do you guys think of? Illness? sickness, you guys want to catch something that someone else has there, um, and it's not the most positive place to be. So my my experience with rehab is it's very mental as well, it's not just physical. Yeah. And so if I can take you out of that mindset where like, hey, I'm going to the, the clinic and it doesn't look clinical, and like, oh hey, like this is pretty rad, this is different, then it gives me a better window of opportunity to treat whatever you're coming in with. Uh, because you have to address the, the, the psychological parts. You know, I, I treat from a very big biopsychosocial model, um, and if you're able to take one layer off um, of their anxiety or their concerns, then great, you're one step ahead of the game. The human part. 100%, 100%. And so it started off with a, a couple of us, really, and then really we added on a chiropractor later on, um, and there's three of us for about a year, and then after a year, we kind of blew up, and the community received us pretty well, and kind of the rest is history, as cliche as it sounds. Amazing. How old are you? Uh, I'm 31. Nice. Yeah, look like I'm 16. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all thinking it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's definitely like 15 or 16. Yeah, 100%. Like when you were 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fresh, fresh. So you say a year, like it took you guys, um, do you say a year to blow up, or a year to stabilize? A year to blow up. Okay. Um, so, for the first year, I like I work sixty three hours, clinical hours a week, and like it's a grind. As any of you guys yeah, know, when you run a business, like you're, you don't always pay yourself. You just you want to build mm -hmm. the equity and the value in your clinic, um, and so there's only a couple of us, and there's only so many hours you guys can work realistically. Hundred percent, on top of like marketing and all those other tasks that you want to like tackle as well. Exactly. And so, for us, the first year was a lot of just building the clinic, building the the traffic, the the, the clientele, so you're able to fund the clinic. Like you want to make rents, you want to make sure you pay your staff. Mm -hmm. um, once things started to stabilize in about a year, that's when we brought on a, a fourth staff member. Um, so now there's three physios, one Cairo, and this other. Um, physio that we brought in what happened to be a, a previous classmate of mine and she just happened to be leaving her clinic and took a bit of a like a, a fun employment vacation and was like hey you know I'm, I'm I got patients in the area can I refer them to you and I was like are you working right now and she's like no no I'm not not really working right now I was like well if you want like you can just I can rent you a room and you can treat your own patients if you're more comfortable with that and we started out that way and then she ended up really liking the space the philosophy like just how our appointments are set up um, so we're a one-on-one -on -one clinic. Initial assessments are an hour, all follow-ups are half an hour, so there's plenty of time to kind of hang out, build report, and treat however you want to treat. Yeah. And she really vibed with uh, our style, and she's like, hey, can I like work here? Like, as, as a, a team member, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, there was ever, never any pressure on her. And, um, and that was one thing that I was really like, thankful for, because I 
it started off as like a no pressure agreement. It was just like a friend deal. I was like, hey, if you want to come and treat your patients, fine, that's, that's great. And then she just really vibed and resonated with what we were, what we were striving for and yeah. um, saw value in it. And it was very reassuring, I guess, validating to kind of know we we're kind of going in the right way. Mm-hmm. So it took a year for things to kind of like blow up, I guess. So in terms of like, not just like stabilizing and making like rent and those things, uh, but in terms of now that we had like someone else coming in and contributing to the the organization, I could spend a little bit more time on actually building the business, not just right, working right. in the business. Um, so that touched on like you know marketing, a lot of community outreach, um, networking with like other like doctors, other physios, chiros, massage therapists. Um, in BC at least, or in our area, like it's so hard to find a massage therapist, a registered massage therapist. They're just like, I don't know just super hard to find. Everyone just goes to a spa for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys find that out here as well too, or? So opposite. Opposite? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Toronto, because I feel like Toronto, they blend a lot with, um, like it's not just strictly relax anymore. Yeah. They start tapping to movement, they start tapping nice. to strength okay. They're kind of like dual practitioners. Yep. They nice. do something in performance plus massage. Okay, cool. Right? So there's a lot more um, Friday. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, it's like opportunity to me. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. And so for for us, we were kind of stabilizing, and then around that year mark, we started to kind of blow up in terms of branding. Because like for me, the reason I called it Trifecta Rehab is I didn't want like a location name like Toronto Physiotherapy or like Markham Physiotherapy, because those names you can't transcend multiple locations. To be really honest, um, if you want to build a brand, like you want to be able to have that brand name specific to whatever idea or philosophy you have. And then that way you can implant it and grow it into whatever community you go into. Whereas like if you have like Toronto Physiotherapy, if you go to like Alberta, doesn't make Toronto sense. Toronto yeah. in Alberta. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't Lots make sense. Pizza, it, it, over here, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't well, make sense. Sure. <laughs> and so um, like three companies, like I kind of modeled Trifecta after it was uh, Nike. Nike's pretty straightforward. If you guys think of Nike, if you bring Nike to like, anywhere, bring it to the Middle East, right? What do you guys, you don't have to think of the same, speak the same language. You see the check mark, what do you think? Nike. Nike. Running, quality, athletic apparel. You don't even have to speak the same language. 100%, yeah. Um, second company is Lululemon, really for the growth, um, growth-oriented mindset. So be able to kind of grow, not just the company, but the individuals as well too. Because to be honest, like your staff, your, your team, that's what makes the company. Like company is not like oh hey like this is the high and mighty like trifecta rehab no it's the people that build it that make the company um so like, lululemon does a really great job of like investing in their team um it's just something I, I really respect i have friends that work for them as well too or have worked for them and it's always nice to kind of see how much time time is probably the big thing because yeah you can pay people to like, take courses but for a company to actually like spend time and invest in you is a, is a really good quality to have in, in a company um, and the third one, actually, and not a lot of people, like, will, will they'll hear this and like, they'll be really surprised, is uh, Aritzia. Aritzia is actually a really well-branded yeah. company in terms of culture, like within, so internally. So the, the staff live, breathe, and eat Aritzia. Um, the girls, like the, the people that work there will be, you know, hashtag out for the day, staff style. Um, it sounds silly, the but mirror. like, 100% because oh they live and sell their brand, which is a really hard thing to get your staff to do. Um, because you can have a really well comp- a really well-run company, but to have your staff and your team exude that vibe, to have that energy, 
is next level and like hats off to them for, for doing it as well too. So those are kind of the, the, the big three companies that I've kind of modeled tri Trifecta Rehab over or after. Yeah. So in terms of like in the beginning when you guys didn't have as much finances, mm -hmm. how did you, what was your strategy towards like marketing and kind of building your brand? Yeah, <clears throat> so I'd say in the first year, um, we probably want to minimize costs, financial costs. So we would do heck of a lot of um, community outreach. So we did stuff like Gold's Gym, RBC the Bank, uh, that was kind of in the, in the neighborhood. We did stuff with, uh, we eventually did stuff with Lululemon later on down the road. Um, but just doing little exposure, um, I guess activities, like I think it be, uh, Canada Swim or Swim Canada had one of the regional competitions at one of the rec centers nearby. So. I just shot them an email like, hey, you know, like we're, this is who we are. We're, we're really big into community outreach. Would you guys be open to having us there? It's pro bono therapy for your, for your staff or athletes. And they're like, yeah, sure. Let me just double, like run it, run it by like legal. And they're like, okay with it. So sent us through. And um, I think just being, well, being able to put yourself in these very small little opportunities, right. contribute to a bigger brand presence. Mm -hmm. um, and then we actually used, I personally used um, our show's Instagram to kind of tell our story a little bit more. It was easier to do, it's less time commitment than like to film videos and like YouTube. I just didn't have the team or the time or resources to really do that. So we would just throw it up on Instagram and then other people would tag us and, and whatnot. And so it's nice to kind of build the brand presence that way. But that's only like the first part because you can build a brand presence, but people don't really know who you are or what you guys are about. Then, so yeah. just get a little context. It's <clears throat> a great question, but like, how big is your space? And you said there's three of you, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's 2,500 square foot. Uh, it's like 2,000 square feet. 2,000. Yeah. Okay, and there's three people. Okay. Yeah. So in the beginning. So now right. there is. Uh, I'm saying yeah. like the main partners, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so. In the beginning, yeah, so we did a lot of brand awareness, more right. so in the beginning. And for me, it was new. I've never really built a brand. Like, I've just always been a therapist. Um, I've been very, like, active, I guess, in social media. Like, I read this stuff. Like, this stuff, like, I get really interested in because it's really neat to see how, like, human behavior mm -hmm. can change when you, like, plant this in there or plant this in there or take something away. Um, like, the psychology of it is, is actually really, really amazing when you mm -hmm. actually start digging deep into things. Um, so I started trying different things, that, things that didn't cost me money. So I dabbled in some like Instagram paid boost, page, bo uh, page boosts or like or sponsor things. I put in maybe like a max of like $30 in there once just to see what it would do. So you get viewership. I mean, Instagram has changed our algorithms since I've done it. Mm -hmm. um, you'll get viewers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that'll translate into, conversion. exactly, it might not convert. And if you get a conversion of like, three to five percent that's huge amazing. like that's amazing um, in the beginning I probably got like a two percent conversion which I thought was pretty good based on like the thirty or forty dollars mm -hmm. I spent um, I don't know if it's sustainable I'm not the expert in, the, in that department at all um, but it's also very hard for me to track to be really honest um, yes people we our front-end staff is trained to ask hey where'd you hear about us from yep. you know online doctor, uh, an outreach event. Um, so we, we try our best to track things, but some people might be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I saw you guys online. Facebook, Google, like Instagram. Like it, That's it's like very that question of noise customers. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Like dealing with the tires and stuff. Like yeah. we, tr we were trying to do the same thing. 
and asking them. And like, we'd have customers even be like, why? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. It's like, why do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, sorry, okay, what do you want to buy? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I but I don't think it's a bad thing because yeah. people that want to tell you, like, oh, I saw you guys in an ad exactly. or, or whatnot. Someone's like, oh, why do you want to know? Like, oh, sorry, we, we, just, we just want to know. Yeah. And if you don't want to answer it, then that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I guess, in terms of like rehab or our industry, it's easier if your therapist asks. Uh, so generally, when I'm with someone like one on one in a room, near the end of the session or like halfway through the session I'm like hey just just curious like how did you guys hear about us and I'm like oh you know like Joe at my company referred me or like I saw your posting in like the staff room and whatnot which is actually a really interesting story I'll get to later on uh, but I think a big thing was building the brand but the brand is just one, it's just an image of you your brand I don't know where I heard this from your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room <clears throat> yeah it's a, so it's really important because it, it's your reputation yeah but your reputation can be broken at any moment. It only takes it takes years to build a, like a, a reputation. It only takes a couple seconds for you to blow it up. Um, so in the beginning part, so I kind of go back to your question, like what you guys did in the beginning to, to market. So a lot of community events. Um, I dabbled in a little of online like marketing in terms of like Instagram. Um, later on, I think in June of 2018, so like six seven months in to um, the uh, of operating. Um, we started to utilize Google Ads, um, or like a Google SEO campaign, more or less. Um, it was nice, if I'm being super transparent with you guys, like my buddy runs a firm. Um, he actually used to work for uh, BBTV, which is broadband television. It's one of like largest um, online global marketing firms. And so he actually left that firm and started his own. And so I asked him, hey, like, what can you do for us? Like, I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing in this realm. Um, would you be able to help set us up? And he was able to set us up and kind of do pro bono stuff um, for me in the beginning. And then later on, I was just like, hey, you're, you're providing a lot of value for the clinic. Like, I want to be able to pay you kind of thing, right? Because I, I don't like to mooch off people. I, you know, yeah. It's nice if you want to be a friend and like, hey, recognize, like, hey, you know, like you're doing something really good, Mike. Like, I want to help you out. That's one like big thing, but you don't want to ride that stuff out. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you want to recognize people where they, where they provide value. and. And for me, like, friendships are much more important than money. Yeah. I could have easily just, like, not said anything and run it out <laughs> for the year. Um, but they did a really good job. And I don't think it's just because I'm a friend, but he's, like, his team is very, like, no bullshit. It's just, like, straight up, like, this is where you're spending your money. I don't think these keywords work. We've changed them a couple of times. Um, you could pour more money into it, but it might not necessarily give you a bigger conversion. Um, so they're, like, super straight up, super honest. and. Um, that's one of the reasons why I, uh, I, I continue to work with them. Because I've had other people approach me. I'm sure you guys probably get emails or calls all the time. Like, hey, we're so-and-so from this group. Like, do you want to boost your followers or whatever? Like, you probably get a bunch of those. Oh, right. um, so if I had a shout-out to them, it's Vero Video, if you guys want to check them out. Uh, they're nice. They also do stuff for uh, Ripley's, believe it or not. They just landed a deal with them. So, nice. uh, so they do good stuff. Uh, so that's how we start off early on in terms of, like, building brand awareness and marketing. Yeah, in the first year or so. Uh, I think one of the questions before was like, how much money we poured into yeah. marketing in the first year. Um, what was your initial investment, if you don't mind me asking? Of building the clinic? So to fully build a clinic, minus like like beds and equipment, because we've upgraded stuff throughout, I'd probably say 160, 160K to, to fully build the clinic. Um, 
it was nice that one of my friends was the was the GC or the general contractor um, on the job as well too. And so he's like, hey Mike, if you want to save money here, like I'd recommend you cleaning the clinic yourself, right. or, or take after like the little things. So to save a couple thousand dollars here and there, I'd go and like I'd scrub the floors, the vacuum. Yeah, you wipe the walls, yeah, you help with the painting. Like the door mullings, the, the wood trim in the place, like the barn door that we have, like me and my buddy helped do that. Like I stay in the wood, he'd put it together because I can't put that shit together, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it helped out any way I could just to make life easier for me financially. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in terms of like um, how much did we really spend on marketing in the first year, uh, about 4500 to $5,000. Um, it really depends on like what you define as marketing so a big chunk of that money went to Google SEO stuff um, we also bought like a banner for community events the stuff we'd go out for most of our community events were um, were free for us to attend some of them we had to pay for so some of the money went to there um, we bought water bottles one year um, just to hand out freebies bad idea I'll tell you right now like <laughs> how many times do you guys get free water bottles and what do you guys do with them put them in the bottom of your, con- yeah. your like cupboard and you'll never see them again um, something that we did last year for 2019, um, we bought and branded tote bags. Um, those are great, to be honest. One, because everyone uses them. You can throw gym gear in them, groceries, laundry, shoes, whatnot, and everyone uses them. And for the most part, you can wash them again. You can reuse them. Um, they're just great. You can, they're multi-purpose, and they're actually valuable for people. Whereas a water bottle, like, eh, okay, I got 10 of these. And now most people use like metal ones or, or glass ones. Um, yeah. So tote bags, if you guys are gonna pour money into any like giveaway, um, I would do tote bag. Scrap, if you're gonna do like USB keys or whatever. People use cloud drives now, right? Um, I would definitely use, go towards like tote bags. That would probably be the best ROI. Yeah, something I've considered is actually starting like a merch line. Uh, we've had clients like, hey, do you guys have your merch line? Because we buy gear for our staff. Like, hey, can I buy that? Do you guys have a line out? So there definitely is like a, a market or a need for it. If you guys have a cool brand, you guys got a sweet logo, by the way. Um, it's simple and clean, and I think that's what people really vibe with. Revive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've thought about doing the merch line. It's a lot of money for to play the game. So if you if you have good like financial backing and you're not worried about losing the money, put a batch in for like hundred or two hundred. I'd, I'd probably start lower. If you're gonna do like just T-shirts or like shorts or something, uh, test your market. Um, I would probably yeah, I would probably grab like 20 clients, um, clients that you might think will represent your brand well. And they don't necessarily have to have an Instagram following. Just like hey, I'm getting some stuff made. We guys test it out, and if like hey, I really like this, great. Then it gives you good feedback. But you gotta get people to be super honest with you. Like hey, I'm giving this to you. I want you to be straight up with me. Like hey, I don't like the logo. I don't like the stitching or it doesn't fit well. And then you also want to find out what kind of body type you want to like market to, right? Are you marketing for the athlete? Are you marketing for like the general population that might be plus size or like smaller for kids? Um, because there's some people that like a tight fit, some people like a looser fit. And when you start going into like details, like, hey, I want to get small, mediums, large, are you doing a loose fit, tight fit, compression fit? Um, it starts to add up. So I mean, like if you're looking at cost-wise, because I've, I've actually done the research. If you do a single size, say of, uh, like a, an athletic t-shirt, because I was looking at something like um, like a Lululemon like tee, like a, a Swiftly. Um, it's about $15 to buy and brand 
Like just just a normal like uh, vinyl print, to, to, to for that volume to brand your shirts. Oh, sorry, yeah. What's the minimum for that? Like, so each supplier will be slightly different. I went on looked at talking like suppliers in house and like in the country or no overseas overseas. Okay. Uh, it was the least financial risk for me to do it. It's hard to gauge quality because you. Yeah, exactly. I like to sit in front of the material there's, and there's feel it. I actually just started with Kaiju. Yeah, there's for no, for of, sure. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here because I was, I was exploring that. Like, mm -hmm. I was actually on the other side of it with um, looking at brand and exploring that. And I didn't really see a lot of upfront costs, especially when it came, came to just me mm -hmm. and like certain guys because like it's not going to, I didn't really think it was a lot to have, get some sweaters or a couple t shirts made for like five guys. I know you said 20, but like play obviously could play around the numbers mm -hmm. to wherever the capital is. But, um, the biggest thing was to feel out the quality. 100%. But yeah, I went to this conference, or it was more of a trade convention. Show? Okay. It was the imprint trade show, and there was a lot of in-house manufacturers that okay. like, are, I saw in the area that I didn't even know about. I, Let's I connect about. after. Yeah, I want to hear a, more on that. That was a big <laughs> one. That was a big one. So, but yeah, just want to throw that out. Yeah, no, if you're doing a small sample size, it's yeah. it's not that expensive. I think that's the it, best way to serve. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the and then you get the feel that way because you can yeah. start it's little to no cost yeah. and then it's, that's when you start seeing guys yo where'd you get that hoodie you know, yeah where'd you get that sword like I, I see your logo right now like, with oh, the black time. though the black yeah, yeah. You know? oh you like the spine <laughs> carbon fiber oh, nice. yeah, you know? like, oh, it's, there's a little stuff like that yeah. it just looks wavy you know? details details Nike but um, yeah, so if you're doing a small sample size, it's great. So when you order your small sample size, you want to consider how much does it cost if I order 500. Because exactly. if like, yeah, we'll give you, like, you can order a full price 20 shirts, right? But if it's like, hey, if you order 500 of these, it's going to be like, I don't know, a $5,000 commitment. I also wanted to know the minimum order quantity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then like, can you screen print? Are you going to do a yes. vinyl like heat press? Like you want to find a like, or embroider. Embroidery is Embroidery much is more expensive. expensive. Sometimes they're embossed. Like they're yeah. Hundred percent. And you want to look at like your logo or like what you actually want to print on, because some logos like ours would probably be a little bit more complex right. to embroider. Um, so you want to play around with those considerations. Um, but to answer your question, in terms of like merch, there's definitely a lot. Like a, I don't want to say a need. There's an interest in the market for it. Um, I would start off small, uh, play around with your own your own clinic sample group, not your staff, because your staff don't get like you guys are great, but like they don't count. Because you guys are going to buy yeah, all your products, yeah. right? Yeah. You want to get people that from different ethnicities or age groups, like play around with it. Like, hey, try this out. Go wear it, and like, for like a month or two weeks, however long you guys want to gauge it, yeah. um, and get honest customer feedback. Yeah, because uh, Nike actually does that. Uh, like, you can sign up to be a tester. Nice. So they give you sample products that sometimes they don't even have the logo on it. Yeah. And they yeah. give it to you for three months, and you're supposed to you get free stuff all the time, but they give you a log. Yeah, uh, ninety days, and you say so week or month or week one or whatever, you'll write the notes and then you can send it back, mm. and then as you progress, the, the newer products keep yeah. coming and it's kind of like the same silhouette. Nice, and okay. that's what that's what they do: shoes, shirts, whatever. That's great. I mean, like if I were to start with merch, yeah. I would start with like a hoodie or a crew neck. Yeah, um, is the easiest. You don't have to worry as much about like body size and body size because typically they're, they're looser fitting anyways. Yeah. And if you want to buy a size up. So in terms of like risk, in terms of not just like financially, but like how well your line will do, like a crew neck sweater or like a hoodie is probably what I would do and something I, I've explored as well too. Yeah. How did you get it with uh, Nike? Uh, this one, no, we just, we bought, oh, you uh, bought we bought all the shirts outright. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I, I prefer a darker shirt for staff just because we're pretty active in the gym. If you start sweating, you don't really see the sweat stains. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have, we've done a gray one. We've done like white logos. Uh, when I was at the, uh, the print shop, <clears throat> the guy was like, hey, you know, we have like carbon fiber. I was like, what? <laughs> Say that one more time. He's like, yeah, we have carbon fiber. You want to check it out? And I was like, well, can you do it in our logo? Because it's harder to cut, he was saying. If you depending on your logo size, mm-hmm. um, so we did it. It's, it's really subtle. Like I like it. It's in the background, and, and I was like, oh, can we do this? And we just got our um, our brand or our, the name of our company. Um, I would say tattooed, but done down the spine of the shirt as well too. Um, you don't really see it until like you turn around and stuff. But it's uh, it's subtle. Yeah, I like subtle. It's in the details. I don't like things to be like yeah. too in your face. Too yes, flashy. Yeah. It's not in good taste these these times. Yeah, it depends on your market group, right? That's Everyone's market group is different. Yeah. Well, a lot of like, so you're going with the lifestyle too. It's it's more or less if you look at it like closely, mm-hmm. it's like the way it's uh if clinics are going lifestyle, it's very close to tech. Yes. Very close. That's yeah. why this why it came out like that is because it's a wider range of like psychological in your mind. You might think tech first, but it's very ambiguous and it's just like it can be anything. Yeah. But that's yeah, that's a lot of tech uh, branding and it goes that way. That's why you see a lot of sports go that way now and how they run their campaigns it's, yeah. it's, it's all like could be anything yeah. it could be anything to be honest well they want to cater to a wider audience yeah, yeah, as yeah. well too yeah. you can hit niche audiences yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously from as from a business point of view if you can hit a wider audience then you can you'll, you'll make more sales in terms 100%. of clothing yeah um, why trifecta by the way why trifecta oh yeah everyone Ask me this. So everyone thinks because there's three partners in the beginning. That was my guess. Yeah. I think there's this, it must be deeper. Yeah, I know. Um, so there's, there's only two partners. Uh, but why we came up with Trifecta was when I was a student, um, I realized that there's three key components to rehab. Uh, and that 90% of the industry at the time I was a student just would at most encompass two of the three. So you never really get the full experience. And we'll talk about that later on because it's all about the experience for the client. Um, so for me, rehab encompasses three models, and they're kind of in our like pillars of rehab. So there's like educate, elevate, and empower. So educate's pretty straightforward. You get someone that came in, say with like a sprained ankle, you tell them like these are the structures that are hurt. You know, this is where your pain's coming from. This is what's aggravating. This is how we can fix it. And it's and there's a huge power into telling people like where their pain's coming from and what they can do about it. Because you can fix it, and they can know nothing. And you're like, oh, okay, well like. Do I really know what's going on? Like, it doesn't hurt anymore, but like, why does it hurt? And I think at least in our generation with millennials, millennials are a little bit more demanding. One, they're more educated and they want to know why. Mm-hmm. Like with your old baby boomers, like my grandma or my mom or dad, like, oh, just fix it. It's good. Yeah. Right. But no, like we want to like, why does it hurt? Because I don't want it to hurt again. So what can I do to prevent it? Right. So that's the education portion. Um, the next one is, is elevating. So elevating is really just a fancy word I came up with for patient-centered goals. Whether you're like a grandma that wants to like lift up your grandkid or you're a marathon runner that needs to hit a certain time. We want to be able to elevate your current status to wherever you want to be. So they're patient-centered goals. And the third one is empowerment. Um, so giving people the tools in their own toolbox to manage their care as well too. And I, uh, <laughs> I said this part to uh, a group of doctors I was having lunch with. Um, I said the best therapist you'll ever have is one that you don't have to see. And they kind of looked at me like, that's a horrible business model, Mike. And I was like, no, because I'm not working on volume, right? I'm looking at like long-term gain. So if I say, if I treated Josh here, so he came, he came in with an ACL tear and I treated you for like maybe two months. I don't see you for a while. But now you're like, hey, I had a great time with Mike. He got my knee better fast and quick. I feel confident I can go back and play ball. 
Now he's going to send me five of his buddies That's on the, the team. That's between winners and losers. 100%. You, and it's interesting that you say that, because there's some people that will play to win and people that play not to lose. There's a big, big difference in that. And, like, I play to win. <laughs> Straight up. And, like, you, you got to take risks at certain times. Not every decision I've made has been, like, has yielded the most profit or has been the best decision, but you learn from them. And they're only mistakes if you don't take the lesson from them. All right? Um, Let's talk about demographic. Yeah. Is that a target demographic? And how do you guys cater your brand and your marketing towards? Yeah. So, you know, everyone, I, when I read this question, it took me a while to actually, like, think about this because everyone's asked me this, and I've asked myself this, like, a number of times, like, before opening the clinic, and then I've asked myself, like, periodically when I run, like, marketing campaigns as well, too. Um, so contrary to, like, what a lot of businesses will, will say, they always tell you to focus on, like, a single demographic or a single service. Um, and I think it's a little bit different for our industry because it's very self-limiting. If, like, I'm only going to treat, like, neuro patients or, like, old patients or elderly or, or, or just athletes because, like, how many athletes are really going to walk in through your door? Realistically. <laughs> yeah, right? They're fun to treat. I love treating athletes, mostly for the mentality yeah. because it's a very different mindset. Um, but to be honest, I think limiting your demographic to one set of people or a service um, doesn't really do that well. So for me... I, I, I've looked and I've researched and observed lots of different clinics. There's like pediatric clinics, there's neuro clinics, there's geriatric clinics, there's people that, or sports and orthopedics, there's people that will specialize in certain facilities. And for some areas, it does really well. Like, you, have you guys heard of Exos down in LA? Yeah. They're yeah. Huge. Like, they're literally a sports and orthopedics clinic. You're not going to see your grandma walk into that kind of clinic, right? And so you can hit their sh different niche populations. But coming from like a s small guy, like single clinic owner, you know, start, start in a smaller city, you don't have the same financial resources that like Exos or like these big companies would have. Um, you typically want to treat everyone. And you have to be careful when you do that because the style of your clinic or your staff will have a huge impact on that. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me like what demographic I see, easy answer is I say I see everyone. But there's a uh, silver lining to that. Because for me, I'm not catering to the demographic, I'm catering to the experience. So whether you're a grandma, an athlete, or your average Joe, if you're looking for a ty certain type of experience, Trifecta's gonna uh, cater to it, whether, no matter what you're coming in for. And what I mean by the experience is like, what are you looking for when you come and say you pulled your back? You just want someone to fix it? Do you want to know why it's hurt? Do you wanna know what you can do about it at home? How often do you wanna come in, right? And so for us, we're like kind of like a one-stop shop. Whether you're coming in for like physio, chiro, massage, the entire team has been trained and educated in a way where like we all provide the same level of care. It doesn't matter if you see chiro or physio. You know, you're, sometimes people will come in and be like, hey, you know, I did this to my back. Should I see physio or, or chiro? I'm like, well, like I'll get more information from them, but I'm like, you can either see any of them because for us, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all trying to get you better the same way. Some of us will have different techniques and styles, but I think the culture is exactly the same. The philosophy is embodied by every therapist that works with Trifecta Rehab. Um, so I think I was uh, talking about the experience, and I think the experience is it's a very broad term. Like, what do you mean by the experience, buddy? Like, I walk in and have a good time. Um, 
I really think it's the the vibe of your therapist, and you can really tell who's genuine, who's out to help people, and who's just there for the money. Like we've all met someone that's out to get something, like secondary agenda, or you're just like, mm, I don't know, man. Like you're selling me good stuff, but like something doesn't end up. We've all had that encounter before. Um, so I think if you're genuinely wanting to help people and you're passionate about you what you want to do and and what the person wants to do as well, <clears throat> sorry, as well too then I think it really shows and people can pick up on that. And when you pair that with rehab, people are hurt all the time, but it's always like, oh, here, take this pill or go wear this brace or be in bed for two weeks or bed rest. Like some of the things just don't add up. And I think when you actually start challenging what their beliefs are in a good way, it's not just like, hey, you're wrong. It's like, hey, like, have, have we thought about it this way, right? And then just being able to deliver the services very differently. Cause like what we go through with our staff is a, is a communication module. So how we, deliver words so we often avoid saying you and then when we ever talk about like why things like why didn't you do your exercises or did you do your exercises this week it's like hey how did the exercises go because when you start talking about like you or why it becomes very like blame blaming and like shameful whereas like if someone came in and say i'm working like justice here it's like hey you tore your acl um if i asked you like hey how did you do your exercises versus how did the exercises go for me it gives me the same information but he'll perceive it very, very differently. Mm-hmm. So the entire team is, is trained to, to communicate a certain way, and I think that adds to the overall experience for the client. Because they come in and they're not like, oh, like, I didn't feel like shit because I didn't do my exercises this week. Yes, it's, like, it's, it, it's frustrating for the therapist because we want to get you better, but it's a two-way street. You get what you put into it as well, too. Um, so for us, like, the team really wants to hit every milestone throughout your entire stay with us whether it's a half hour hour a month or two months depending what your rehab program looks like we want to make sure we address we address everything yeah so in terms of the demographic um to be honest we don't have a specific one it's more that we're catering to a certain experience rather than a demographic yeah yeah um you talk about the communication module Mm -hmm. um i'm guessing that's part of the uh, onboarding process yeah, well, it's onboarding and mentorship. So um, for us, how we've designed things is every two months, we do run through a different mentorship module. Um, so everyone, obviously, depending on when they onboard, will run through a different module at a different time. Fortunately, right now, we've kind of run everyone through the same streamline. We've repeated a couple of them for staff that like joined us like way at the beginning. We're just, okay, we revamped it, but I think it's really beneficial for people that have taken it before to retake it again with the entire team because it's like, oh, hey, like I didn't think about it that way. And even some of the staff that have taken it the second time, like, hey, you know, the first time we took it, it's very different than than when we took it just now because we think of things a little bit differently. And the, like, honestly, the, the nicest part was after I ran this communication module with my staff um, in January, actually, like three, four weeks ago, uh, three, actually all three of them were like, hey, Mike, you know, like, Ironically, after that communication module, I had a patient come in and break down and cry. And I knew exactly what to do and what to say, how to change my tone and body language. And it was just really nice to see that the staff were able to take value from it and use it right away. Because you can take value from like stuff, like research or clinical stuff, but being able to implement it right away, that's what I really want the staff to be able to do. Because I don't want to feed you just information if you're not able to use it. I want it to be clinically relevant. Um, so to answer your question in terms of the, the onboarding process, 
it's kind of part of the onboarding process, but I would almost see the onboarding process as a lifelong thing or the, when you're with the clinic because we contribute to your growth throughout for two months, whether it's clinical skills, communication, or business. Um, it's very different because every new hire that we have, we do a bit of like a growth chart. So we want to know like, what are your milestones? What do you want out of this? Because yeah, you can work with Trifecta Rehab, but like, what do you want out of this realistically? Because I'm assuming that you're not going to be here for the rest of your life. It'd be great if you were, but I'm assuming at some point you're going to spread your wings and leave. And I want to know how to facilitate that for you. If you're like, hey, you know, I'm planning on being here for three or four years. What's your goal? It's like, hey, I want to mentor students. I want to work on skill development. I want to own a clinic one day. Then if I know roughly when that is, then between those gaps, I can fill in the gaps for you. Like, hey, if you want to run a clinic, this is something you might want to think about. Or like, I'll talk about advice or things I'm talking to you guys about. Like, hey, if you want to run a merch line, have you thought about A, B, or C? Because chances are they haven't, right? Uh, and part of it just comes from like my experience. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but it's better to know one way than not to know any way to do it as well too. And who, um, like who, uh, who puts a value on that? On uh, which part? On the on the mentorship part, or tell them your experiences in order to help them in, in what situation that either. What situation. Right, for sure, yeah. So in terms of the communication module, like or what to do and stuff like that. Right. Um, I'm very like transparent and blunt in the beginning. Like, hey, this is my experience. This is what works really well for multiple clients in different scenarios. Everyone's going to go at it from a different perspective because everyone has different personalities as well, too. I've been very fortunate to work. I've probably worked like 18 different jobs in my life, mm-hmm. uh, ranging from like I used to work in the lab. I used to be a lifeguard. I used to deliver pizza. That was one of my like most like thrilling jobs being pizza <laughs> delivery driver to be to be really honest with you um but i think like when you start to work with a lot of different people like through different industries and different people that walk through different walks of life um you get a really good understanding of like what drives people whether they're like really affluent and well off or they're you know lower socioeconomic status people um it really gives you perspective on how to communicate with people and and that's what I bring into these modules. So whether you're from one walk of life or another walk of life, you'll be able to take some value out from it um, in terms of like the other parts of the mentorship stuff, so like clinical um, skills. Like if we're talking about like treatment techniques, a lot of them really are from experience. Like, yes, yeah, school will teach you this, but that's theory. You don't do it. What, what, is, what does it actually mean in real life, right? And so there, there are more efficient ways to treat things. Like I kind of showed you four well, you three, um, how to do like a global thoracic spine and lumbar spine rotation mode that mimics a, uh, a manipulation. It's very low risk, there's no thrust, and it's not as scary, mm-hmm. right? Um, so little things like that, like school does probably doesn't teach you that. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so there's little things that you'll pick up being a therapist where you can modify the technique to make it less threatening for the client because if you can make something less threatening or, or they perceive it as less threatening, then it gives you a better window to treat other things as well too. Because say if someone like needed a manipula- uh, manipulation in the back from a chiropractor, but they've already gone into the session like, oh, chiropractors are bad, I don't want to crack my back, it's scary, and you go in and you, and you change the lens for them. Like, hey, you know, it might not necessarily be a bad idea, but this is why, and you, and you present it in a different way, you deliver it in a different way. And they're like, oh, hey, that actually wasn't so bad. Like, how many of you guys have, like, 
been convinced to eat a certain food that you were probably really against at some point. You're like, oh yeah, that, that actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so being able to deliver things <clears throat> differently is also really important because my approach, I might be like, hey, Justin, like, yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna do this, but you come in with a very different set of beliefs. It's not your job to adapt to my beliefs. It's my job to help you understand. Like, these are the different ways we can go about it, right? There's, it's not my way, the highway, because you're coming in to use my expertise. I'm not here to talk to you. I'm here to work with you to get to where you want to be, right? So, yeah. So, in yeah. terms of mentorship, are you the only? Currently, I'm the only one that okay. is doing it. Yeah, okay. just different skill sets, different responsibilities. Yeah. And you would say that most um, clinicians that enter your team, they're looking for some type of mentorship. Yeah. So <clears throat> that growth chart we kind of talked about, yeah. I usually identify like, what do you, what do you want out of this? Yeah. If it's like, hey, I want mentorship. I, I want to grow my skill set. Uh, I feel limited in this, or it could be communication, or or I have trouble building my caseload because sometimes people come from different clinics. Or it could be management styles, like, hey, I didn't like the other clinic because of A, B, or C. Or if I know they've come from a different clinic, and maybe they're an, an experienced physio, I'd be like, why did you choose this, and why did you leave the other place? I don't need all the nitty-gritty details, but I want to know, like, hey, if you're like, hey, I really didn't like the management style there, then I want to know, like, what didn't you like? Because if it's very similar to, like, us, then maybe this might not be the best fit for you, right? Um, I'm very big on, we have a very unique ecosystem of, of internal like operations. And so whoever we bring on has really got a vibe with the philosophy, mm. how we operate. Everyone that comes on shadows for two or three shifts. So they really get it, and not just myself, but like a variety of different team members. So they know what they're getting themselves into. Cause it's not just, okay, hey, yeah, we hired you. Great, like, you know, jump in the deep end. Like we work with you, but we expect you to work with us as well too. And I think that's what makes our clinic so strong is because we're not just a team, we're more of like a family. And so it really aids to the, we don't have a, this is my client, this is my client. Everyone kind of sees everyone, kind of like the barbershop mentality we kind of talked about, um, which is nice because some of the clinic, or some of my clients will be like, hey, you know, it's kind of like a barbershop every time we come in. You guys all shoot the shit with people. And it's not just like like the younger crowd that does it. Like I've I had like a 16 year old like shoot the shit with this guy that was like 65 what is knee replacement <laughs> um, so it's nice because you build community yeah. in it as well too and I think that's a really strong thing to do and that's one of the things that I want to do in terms of the legacy we were talking about legacy earlier um, to be really, like, really straight up I want to build a community I want to have a scholarship for my high school because I went to a very like, inner city high school as a kid that didn't have all the resources to compete with you know, the, the other schools um, so when I make it to the point where I can provide like a yearly scholarship for a couple students, then like I know I've like had a really positive impact on my community. When I make it to the point, I like that. Yeah. Not if. Yeah, it's when I make it. It's gonna happen. Just when. Just words. Just little words, you know. Yeah. Delivery. Delivery. That's it, man. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah. So, how many people work at your clinic? And if you're the only one providing mentorship, isn't that hard on you? Uh, when you ask how many people are working there, do you mean like just therapists? Therapists, or? yeah. Therapists. Okay. There are... Do you provide mentorship to not therapists as well? Not at the moment. Okay. The admin staff have asked for it as well because they like see the the transformational shifts in the, uh, in the therapists. Um, so in terms of therapists, we've got six physios, one chiropractor, 
and three RMTs. So there's four, fourteen? Oh, no. I lied. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't really keep track of how many until I actually do the logistical things. Yeah. Like, if you ask me on the spot. Um, but for me, it's, it's more of the culture and, and the vibe that we bring into the clinic. So if it's like, hey, you know, if our numbers are looking good, because I think Justin was asking me earlier, like, how do you know when to bring on a new staff member? Um, you can look at the numbers, like, hey, yeah, we've got this many new patients. Um, but for me, what I personally look at is I look at how the trend, not just like months, it's like the general trend. How booked is this? Is our team? Not just like team in general, but like each team member. And then how many of them have a wait list? If everyone is like two weeks booked, like straight out, minus a couple here or there, and I'm like, okay, that's that's one thing I'll look at. And I'll also look at wait lists. Like, hey, or like some of my, my team members have like six person wait lists yeah. in the next couple of weeks. For me, like, that's an issue, and I think Nick Lowe says it best at MyoDetox, because I've, I've chatted with him um, before as well, too, is he was saying, if you have a wait list, that's not the best thing to have, because those are people that you're not seeing. And eventually, depending on how willing they're, they're willing to wait for you, they're well, going to go else. somewhere else. Because you got back pain, you're going to wait three weeks to get it treated? No, you're probably just like, okay, I wait a couple of days, I'm going to go see someone else, because I, I need a fix, right? So... Um, yeah, mentorship. Uh, mentorship, yeah. So I run it myself. Okay. Yes and no when you talk about is it hard. I love this stuff. Yeah. Like, to be honest, like, I love teaching. I love building up the team. Again, it's family for me. Um, even, like, two every, once every two months isn't a big commitment for me right now. Yeah. Um, even if I had a family and had kids, yeah. like, it's a Saturday for four hours. Yes, you could be like, oh, I want to spend it with my family. But you'll make it work because they're also my family as well, too. If they don't grow, I don't grow. Client doesn't grow. And no one's happy yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I think my passion for it really plays a huge role. Yeah. Um, I really love what I do, and I, I love people growing. And I, if they love what they do, then it just feeds, like, I feed off that. Um, so, yes, it gets a little bit exhausting sometimes because it's, it's four hours of talking. Yeah. It's a lot of hands-on work depending on what kind of modules we do as well, too. Um, I'd say it's tiring, but it's not hard on me. Yeah, depends on my mood. Okay. <laughs> but I, yeah. to be honest, if I, if I didn't get any sleep, yeah, it can be draining. But you have to be diligent on like being prepared. So obviously, like I expect my staff to be to be prepared and present for their their sessions and, and clients. Same way for me, I need to be prepared and present for my team members yeah. as well too. Sorry, another question. Yeah. If let's say you can't make it for a men, uh, day to mentorship people, do you have like someone who will stop in for you? Uh, currently, no. Um, currently, I make sure I make okay. all of them. Like <laughs> it's it, they're planned like months in advance. So unless someone dies, like really realistically, <laughs> okay. I'll be there. Um, I'm very good at not double booking these because we coordinate them with the twelve staff. So there's twelve people to coordinate all in one schedule. And so if it doesn't work for everyone, like as long as like 90% of people can make it, great. I mean, you're never gonna find a day that would, it just works for everyone. Um, if you were to go back, you know, from when you first started, I think it was beginning of 2018, mm -hmm. is there anything you would change? I wouldn't have bought those water bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have bought those water bottles. <laughs> no, there's just, one, it's just like bad for the environment. And like, yeah. how many of you guys actually use them? Right? Yeah. Um, that money, and they were expensive. 
I would have bought the bags. I would redo the bags. I've run out of bags already. I would do the toe bags again. Um, I mean, like, if you really want a solid example, look at Lululemon. How many of those yeah. guys, people bring those? I bring my lunch to work in a Lululemon yeah. bag. Okay. Ikea bags, too. Yeah. Oh, Ikea the big ones? Yo. Oh, there you go. There's like fashion. Oh, there you, you go. On Pinterest, people use them as fashion. There you go. Crazy. Because it provides value. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but to be really serious, I think water bottles for sure. I, I wouldn't buy again. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I don't know if I would regret anything. I think everything's contributed to the growth. Everything has served a purpose, whether it's provided a lesson um, or provided like a speed bump, it doesn't really matter. I think everything's contributed to the growth, whether in a positive way or a negative way, we, we all grow from it. Um, I wouldn't be the person, I wouldn't be the business owner or the therapist I am today yeah. if I didn't experience certain things. Um, so I don't think so I would have regret experience? Uh, a lot of like, if I oh man, okay, if I want to get deep, a lot of betrayals. Yeah, <laughs> get deep. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> for being super deep. Um, in the first year, in the summer, um, my dad went through like three different like medical issues. Like yeah. the first time, he almost cut off his leg doing gardening work, and mm-hmm. this was in the beginning of the company. So it was like me and a receptionist running it. And my dad's like, my dad knows that. And so he didn't want to call me. And so my neighbor called me. I was like, hey, did you hear about what happened to your dad? And I was like, no, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm at work. What, what's up? He's like, yeah, he got taken away to the emergency. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of told me what happened. So I, I told the receptionist, hey, you got to cancel all my patients. I'm, I'm going to the hospital. Um, so that happened. So he got like three layers of stitches. Thank God he didn't cut his like his femoral artery. He pretty much had like three layers of stitches through his thigh. I was on crutches for a while. We had to move his bed downstairs because he couldn't do stairs. Um, so just as he's getting better, he decides he wants to like, again, chainsaws are involved again, um, to prune the trees. And so he's up on this ladder, one foot on a branch with a chainsaw. Not the safest thing. Branch snaps, he falls off from the, the from the second story. Breaks three ribs, punctures the lung. Thank God the chainsaw stuck in the tree. Uh, Yen, he didn't tell me. Neighbors and ambulance took him to the uh, hospital. That happened. How old's your dad? He's young, he's like 65. Wow, <laughs> yeah. what a piece. Yeah. <laughs> so then that happened, and then at the same time, um, I was going through like relationship betrayals and stuff like that. Uh, and then two months later, my dad had a stroke. And so, and this was like just a really like, just, you know, when bad things happen, they all happen at once, you know what I'm saying? This is literally where everything like tested me and like what I wanted from the clinic. Why was it, why am I a business owner? Um, What I want in life. And one of the big things for me was I wanted to become a business owner, one, so I could financially take care of my parents at some point during life um so i was busting my ass like working a lot to be able to do this but then when all these things happen i was like yeah you're busting your ass to take care of them but what if they're not there to take care of anymore yeah right and so i think that was a point of my life where i was like hey you gotta take a step back from the clinic a little bit you know like yeah it's great you want to build your dream and everything um but if they're not there for you to enjoy it with like is that worth it for you right so i had to take a step back it was it's kind of like hard for me because like this was my baby like this yeah. is what I really want to do this is my passion 
Um, but then my family is like the other on the flip side. So it's like, hey, I, I got to take care of them too. Whether or not we, we talk a lot or whatever, because you know, Asian parents, they, don't, <laughs> they just don't really talk a lot um, about stuff. But whether I just want to be present. You know, whether we just sit there, have tea, and just like watch TV, great, like I'll do that, right? Um, so that was like a hard part. That was like a one big learning curve. For me, it was like being able to take a step back from business and really figure out like, what does it mean? Like, why are you doing it? Yeah, you could like, oh, I'm doing it for the money. I want to contribute to like society. But like, if you lost your entire family, ask yourself that. If you lost your entire family, would you still do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you want to shift that. You don't have to answer that, by the way. Um, but just something you want to like be aware of, like, why are you doing the things that you want to do? Yeah. So that was like one of the big things I learned. Um, communication is really, really important on all levels, whether your business partner, your spouse, or Sorry, partner. Is your partner a therapist as well? Yeah, he's a physiotherapist Physio. as well, too. Yeah. Um, he takes care more like the legal accounting and that uh, aspect of things. Guy. Yeah, backing guy. Um, so yeah, so I guess like those things were like some of the hard lessons to learn. Communication is really, really important. Um, how we've structured some of our, our systems is after a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, really, really great book. You, you'll take what you want out of it. You take, like any book, you take what you want out of it. Um, so just being accountable, transparent, you know, like honest with people. Like even with my staff, if, if I have a project or if I have like, a, hey, you know, I'm planning on doing this, we involve them in all the, the staff meetings. Like, hey, we're planning on changing this system. What are you guys' thoughts? You know, and we want to hear everything. Just like product feedback. Like if you're going to do a merch line, we ask our entire, our entire team. What do you guys think about this? Do you guys want to hire a kinesiologist? Do you guys want to buy a shockwave machine? Or do you guys want to buy a, what we call like a Kaiser machine, which is like a functional trainer? Because um, they're expensive things and we're not going to buy them all at once. Like you got to figure out like what would you guys find most useful, mm-hmm. right? Um, so just being really transparent with the team, like, hey, this is the direction we're thinking of. What do you guys, what are your thoughts, right? Um, so communication was a, is a, ongoing growing thing for us as well too because as you guys get bigger it's tough exactly you got to find different modes of communication as well too yeah i think before you mentioned like internal versus external values principles yeah yeah can you talk more about the internal your internal values yeah so we have five big internal values um some of them coincide with the book principles by ray dalio so the the first three is transparency truthfulness and accountability Transparency is pretty straightforward. <laughs> you know, you're, you're pretty transparent transparent about what your intentions are, what you want from staff, what they want from you. It's, again, it's two-way street. It's not just what I want from my staff. Like, what do you want from management? Like, are there things that you guys don't currently have, like equipment that is impeding your practice, right? Um, so one of the things was, like, a, a high-low bed, like we, which is a hydraulic bed. So we had a lot of, we had three high-lows and three massage typical beds that don't go up and down. And some of the stuff like, hey, like, you know, our team's getting bigger. We prefer the high lows. Um, so eventually we started purchasing more high lows. I mean, they're expensive. So, um, and they don't just come like the next day. Really, it's like a six week order period kind of thing. So eventually we started buying more high lows and we've ordered our last one. So now all our beds will be high low beds mm-hmm. now. Um, the other one is uh, truthfulness. This one's kind of weird because it's, it sounds the same as the other, as accountability. So truthfulness is you should be able to say what you want to say to the person, whether they're in front of you 
and not behind their back. So if you can't say it when they're not there, then you probably shouldn't say it at all. Or there's a reason you might want to bring it up kind of thing. Um, and accountability is pretty straightforward. So it's, hey, you know, for example, like I'm, I'll be super honest. Everyone's going to kill me when I say this on the podcast. It's like, Mike, you're horrible with like report deadlines. Whether you're going to submit a report for something, like you got to be on top of that stuff. Um, and so for me, it's like, hey, if it's, a, if it's a common trend, if it's a behavior, why is it happening? Right? If it's a one-off thing, yeah, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, apologize, address it, and make sure you make the necessary behavior change. If it's, if it's a trend, why is it happening? What can I do to help address that and maybe like help you overcome that? Whether it's myself or a staff helping me, uh, it's a really important thing to be accountable for your actions. Whether it's reports or showing up to work on time um, or coming prepared for your sessions. Uh, the, other one, the other two are, or is, is passion. Whatever you do, do it with passion. If you're not happy about what you're doing, what you want, um, you probably really want to address that in the beginning. I, I joke, I'm like, hey, if you're not passionate, don't come into work. I probably would still have them come into work, to be really honest. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, you, you want to do things with passion because your, your patients and your clients will feel, will definitely feel the difference. Um, my, myself, actually, like, when I'm just, if I'm burnt out or I'm just not having a good day, my patients have actually asked, hey, Mike, you feeling okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, why? What's up? Hey, you're, you're just not as energetic as, as, you, as you usually are. Um, so people will see it. Like, people will feel it as well, too. Um, and the last one's family, which is, like, my, my favorite out of the, out of the internal values, is every, we, we operate as a family, not just as a team. And so, because a team is very, there's boundaries with the team. It's like, hey, you know, this is work. The moment I'm not at work, I'm clocked out. Whereas like when we're like, when we have a family mentality, like for example, so sometimes my admin staff will just have a bad day and I'll, I'll text them after work, hey, like, how are you doing? Um, if you need anything, just, just give me a shout kind of thing, right? So you're able to kind of be there if, if they need it. It's just being, extending that offer, right? You don't always have to do something, but just knowing that, hey, you know, Mike cares or someone on the team cares. Um, like for example, this morning, uh, one of my staff members, Wyatt, one of the physios, was like, hey, I didn't get a chance to say bye before you left on your trip to Toronto. Have a great trip and, you know, have fun and go try out this taco place that he was telling me about. He doesn't need to do that, right? But just going that one extra step because it's the family culture that we have at the clinic. Yeah, so those are the uh, the five val- internal values that we have. So it's, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's transparency, truthfulness, accountability, passion, and family. So I do have a question. So... Has there ever been a moment where someone was kind of ruining that family culture? And if they were, did you have to let them go? Uh, no one's ruined the family culture um, because I, I personally hire everyone. Um, and I have a pretty good read on people, like on what your intentions are, what kind of person you, you are. Because it's not just the one interview. It's like you come in for the three shadow sessions. And it's pretty hard to fake like who you are over three shifts. Um, not just to myself, but to like the rest of the staff. Because I'll ask stuff like, "Hey, how'd it go with so and so? Like, did you like them? Like, what was the vibe that you got from them?" Because vibes are really big for me. Like, you can talk the talk, but like you can't fake energy or what your intentions are, right? Um, it's just it's just what it is, kind of thing. So I've never had to let someone go. Someone's like not contributing. I shouldn't say like no one's will tear it down, so it's not contributing. 
I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up with them. I'll bring it with them personally first. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, this is what I've noticed. Um, there's something going on, right? And then if something needs to change, then we'll, we'll chat about it. But again, like, you'll never know until you have the conversation, right? Like, you, there's a saying that, um, that goes, you, people are fighting battles that you know nothing about, right? And you'll know nothing until you ask, right? So just ask. Like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, I noticed this. Is something up? And like, my staff have asked me that too. Like, like during that really shitty period in my life, because I'm, I'm not allowed to say that on here. No. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, like during that bad time in my life, like I, like they've asked, like, hey, is everything okay? Because I'm a pretty private person in my personal life. Um, I don't really share everything with my staff, but they're like, hey, you know, I've noticed something's different. Like, are you okay? Um, so yeah. So people will call me out on my bullshit too. I guess the last question is um, to end off is any any specific book you recommend? Oh yeah. Business. I wrote these down here actually. Um, I really like learning from great people. Not just like here's the blueprint on how to open a clinic because that stuff doesn't work. Because everyone's business model is different. Everyone's demographic is different. Industry is different. Um, but some of the books that I really liked that I, I, I wrote down on here is uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, oh, yeah. the founder of Nike. Um, great story on just like how everything started, his passion, you know, his, his obstacles, his partnerships as well too. Because it didn't start off as Nike, it started off as like a Japanese shoe brand. Yeah, Owned right? Secret Tiger. Yeah. BS, like the 500 boxes of BS. Yeah. Turned to BRS. Exactly. And so it was really, really cool to really learn about like it's not, you have to read between the lines in these books. That's really where all the lessons are. It's not like, hey, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this. When you read through the experiences, like these, take these as mentors. This is mentorship when you read these books, which is great. Uh, another one I think I mentioned to the guys here is it's called Screw Business as Usual by Richard Branson. Um, that's where they were talking about like to really become truly successful is in the act of service to others. Um, I can't stress that enough like when you're actually out to help people like without a secondary agenda um, it pays off I mean you might not see it immediately but it pays off like in in BC we have something called like WorkSafe BC so compo claims um, people get hurt at work typically they don't financially compensate the therapist the best um, but I treat the person exactly the same as if you're like CEO of like Nike that came in kind of thing um, and the nice thing is like when you go in with that mentality, a lot of these compo claim clients have like, hey, I had a great time with Mike. Like, um, I'm gonna send my wife or friends or family. Exactly. So it pays off in dividends. But unfortunately, sometimes people are, are too short-sighted to see that. It's like, ah, oh, I'm only getting paid X number of dollars, so I'm only giving X number of dollars of therapy. And it's just, it's sad to see in here. You can't see, a, you can't see a, uh, one customer. I, I call it customer because I'm, I'm a different Yeah, yeah that's for sure. You can't see one customer as just one customer. Like he has like a whole friend base, a whole family base, and that family has a family base. So 100%. Like you see one person as like a thousand people. It's the community. Yeah. You treat them as a community uh, member or partner yeah. as well too. Um, that's what Screw Business as Usual by Richard Branson. That's a great book. Um, I'm current uh, principles by Ray Dalio. That's a great operations book. If I were to call it something like an operations book, um, I'm halfway through Little Black Stretchy Pants by Chip Wilson. I think they renamed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, uh, I think it's called the Lululemon Story or something yeah, now. Yeah, they re they renamed it. Um, 
there is it's not a book but you guys all know who Simon Sinek is yeah, yeah you know golden golden circle and stuff like that uh, I watched something of his I don't know what part of, of a talk it is but he was talking about money and business and feel in a car I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this but he's saying like money is all often demonized in business like oh you're out to get money or you're out to get this money is not necessarily a bad thing money is fuel for your car so he talks about like no matter how just your cause is or what your philosophy is or how good your culture is if you have no money you go nowhere you can't do anything so what you want to look at um, or how you want to view money is it's fuel for your business and your business is your car your business is not designed to make money your business is designed to further a bigger cause contribute to society and so forth your business your you don't buy a car with the intention of buying fuel that's not the point, yeah. right? And so when you look at it that way, um, the purpose of the, the company is to further whatever cause you want, and the fuel or the money helps you get there. Right. So it's a byproduct. But without money, you can't get there. And But the thing is that you don't want to look at your company as, oh, I'm making money with this company. You, know, you want to use it for something, and then money just helps you right. get there. So it's not a book, but it's just something I um, I listened to, and I was like, oh, I really like vibe with that. I really resonate with that. And... Um I'll ask you so how quickly uh, after you guys started did you guys get a front desk person and like what um, like what kind of tasks did that alleviate or did that add to you or whatever yeah so what do you guys have from the get go no uh, kind of yes and no I think there was like two months where we didn't have like an act we had like one receptionist okay but it was like 40 hours a week there's another 40 hours right 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 isn't covered. Uh, so we had one receptionist for a Sorry, bit. Before I, before I continue, yeah. do you feel that's important or is it, how important do you f- feel it is for a clinic to have a front desk, per- front desk person? I think it's important to have a front desk person if you want to get bigger in scale. Okay. If you're a, like a one member team, right. then it doesn't really matter because okay. you can use JNP, can book online on your own schedule, you can text. My barber does that. He just right. does the, kind right. of like a one man show. He's like, text me when you want to like come in. And that's how I, I, that's how I book my appointments. If you want to get bigger, and I'm assuming you guys, you got right. a huge space, you guys want to get bigger, right. eventually you're going to want an admin staff because it's not just for oh, booking patients in, it's also for administrative duties. So um, if you're going to do stuff with like law firms or if there's, I don't know how your motor, motor vehicle accident claim right. services work here, um, you want people to be able to do that so you can spend that time treating people. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, it's easier because I have the time to be honest. Um, but when you start booking up, you're not gonna be able to pick up that call. Exactly. And like someone on the other line is wanting to book an appointment and if you don't book them, they're calling through other clinics. It's true. And so being able to have someone there, say you pay your, I don't know, your admin stuff like 16 or 20 bucks an hour. The the ROI on a new patient is gonna be a lot more oh, yeah. than that 16, per, 16 to 20 dollars an hour, right? And then granted, well three people call, now you just pay for their wage for that one hour. It gets costly in the beginning, 100%. It's a pain in the ass to answer the phone and treat it at the same time. I've done it before in the beginning. I had that, yeah. There you go, Josh. You have that phone in your back pocket. Hey, sorry, like, can I take this car real quick? <laughs> it's, and it's not the most professional thing to do, but. hundred percent. But I feel like every clinic owner at some point has, has done it at some point, right? Or someone calls in sick. I don't got like 50 admin members on call. I was like, hey, can you come in and cover so-and-so? Right, like, you get turnover at some point, or someone calls in sick. Um, it's not critical to have in the beginning. Um, as you start booking up, that's where you want someone. But you don't want to wait for yourself to book up to start looking. 
mm-hmm. right? Because they'll say like, no, no, Josh is busy now. Oh crap, we need an admin staff. But it takes you like a month to find one and to train them. You want to, you want to, you want to address the problem before it becomes a problem. That's the best way I can yeah, describe right. it. Yeah. yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, wicked. Yeah, love the energy in the room. Yeah, yeah no problem. Mikey rehab. There you go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.